So this is the recording of the Beanstalk Protocol AMA. It's getting started any second now. So, oh, I know what that. Um, I'll just pause this. Hello everyone. Um, just raise your hand if we can, um, if you can uh, hear me. We're just about to just do a quick sound check. Yep, lots of hands, lots of beans in the audience. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just straight up just introduce uh, Publius. Just first, um, a little bit about the, a little bit the for, a little bit about the format. So there's a questions channel, um, which we could probably have open, and um, you can write your questions in, in into that channel, um, and we probably have that as the channel that would be open that you would have open while you're um, listening. It's probably the best channel to tune into. If that changes, we'll um, let you know. But for now, um, we should. We should get on to the first. We should get on to the first question. I think um, it's probably the best way to go. Just dive straight into the questions, and if um, Publius has any op open remarks, opening remarks, they can um, they can start with that. But uh, for the questions, um, I think we should just start with uh, the first question that we had um, was actually an example question. It's probably a good one to start with, which is um, how was the performance of uh, Stork? And just give me two seconds. I'm just bringing up the questions document. Just come out of one meeting and into another one, so. Two secs here. Okay, so in your opinion, how effective were the stalk and seed mechanism during the first debt cycle? All right, can everyone hear me? Is this clear? If, if you can hear me, is this clear? Just a quick show of hands before we answer. Great, great. So, and if that changes and it's unclear, please let us know. The Overall, the stock and seeds mechanism uh, appears to have been uh, very effective during the first debt cycle. And there's a couple things to keep in mind here. One is that uh, the effectiveness uh, and the opportunity cost that creates that effectiveness should continue to increase over time. And so what that means is if you look at, uh, and we're going to try to get some charts for you guys here potentially in a couple minutes, but um, just to give you guys kind of the full information uh, available. But when you think about how the incentive actually works, how uh, every season that you stay in the silo 
uh, the opportunity cost to leave the silo goes down over time, uh, or excuse me, goes up over time, uh, what we've already seen just at the very beginning when the opportunity cost is at an all-time low is very encouraging. So if you consider the amount of liquidity that stayed in the pool uh, and the amount of uh, beans that stayed in the silo throughout the entire debt cycle, uh, the expectation is, and the reason we say that it was pretty successful is twofold. One is that even from peak to trough, uh, the amount of liquidity that stayed in the silo and stayed in the liquidity pool from the beginning of that first major pump, where we saw the price run from a dollar to four dollars, and the market cap go from two and a half million dollars to forty million dollars, uh, even during that immense pump, uh, and then the eventual dump that followed, because a lot of that capital was really just you know pump and dumpers. Uh, the amount of liquidity that stayed in the pool ultimately doubled, uh, and the percentage of deposited beans that stayed in the silo uh, was also very high. And so even today, we still have, uh, I think, about 17 million beans deposited in the silo, uh, which is an indication that uh, a very low percentage was ultimately withdrawn, uh, even during the entirety of that, uh, the dump, uh, you know, and throughout the debt cycle that we're currently uh, in the midst of. So when we analyze both the effect on the liquidity and the beans uh, on both sides of the silo, it seems to have had a meaningful effect on people staying in the silo. And furthermore, when you consider that that uh, effectiveness or that opportunity cost is expected to continue to increase over time, uh, that bodes pretty well uh, for the system going forward. And just you know, to, to wrap off this as a full answer for you, if you think about the very short term, not just the long term, over the past few days, as the system returned to a dollar uh, and then it came back down below a dollar, there was very, very, very little new withdrawals. When you consider that there were two or three million withdrawn beans and beans under LP for you know, four or five days in a row uh, during the beginning of the debt cycle, and then you compare that with the past couple of days when the price dipped below one again, there was a fraction and a small fraction of that of the withdrawals uh, over the past few days when you compare them to the beginning of the debt cycle. So over time, this does seem to work even in the short term. Uh, and the, you know, the expectation is going forward that the, the assets that are still in the silo are you know, most likely to stay in the silo in the long run. And that, that gives us an indication that the stock and seats are functioning as intended. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, while you're on stock and seeds, um, did you did you want to talk a little bit more generally about stock and seeds and what the roadmap, how that how they play into the protocol um, moving forward? Um. Certainly. So, uh, and this was one of the, the questions in the AMA channel as well. So, 
just to, to restate the, the question, do we plan to incentivize the beanstalk or bean seed pools on Uniswap? Um, so there is the, one of the main reasons we haven't just quickly turned the stock and seeds into ERC-20 tokens is that there is sort of one complication or additional complication uh, to actually making that uh, viable, which is that if, as the Beanstalk contract is currently written, if you deposit your stock or seeds in a liquidity pool, a Uniswap liquidity pool, for example, uh, the protocol currently, unlike uh, Beans and ETH liquidity, where the system does account for that and you can get stock and seeds on that, if you have beans, uh, excuse me, if you have stock or seeds and you deposit them into another Uniswap pool, the Beanstalk contract will currently not give you credit for the stock and seeds that you have under the liquidity pool tokens. And so in order to ensure that at the very least there isn't a, like a cost to adding liquidity to the Uniswap pools for stock or seeds, uh, that's kind of a major complication here, which is going to take a little bit of additional development to, to do properly. Um, so that is just the reason it, it isn't so cut and dry when it comes to whether we intend to incentivize the stock and seed pools uh, and the specific structure of them. That is something that in general we are you know, eager to discuss with the community and hear some interesting ideas. But our general feeling is that stock and seeds are much less important to incentivize directly through the protocol. And instead, people that are interested in uh, providing liquidity uh, are more likely to do so because of natural economic uh, incentives. And specifically, and this kind of will be something that likely uh, is recurring throughout this, this AMA. And, has been and will be continuing to recur throughout our general communications with the community, the number and, and the structure of Beanstalk and how it's designed, really the only problem that the protocol concerns itself with is returning the price of one bean to one dollar. Any complications on top of that that are built into the protocol uh, greatly or at least potentially can greatly take away from the effectiveness of the mechanism. So perhaps the only caveat to add here is that the system also cares about the debt level. Uh, so it's not just concerned about returning the price to a dollar. It's also concerned about over time lowering the debt level such that uh, whenever the next uh, decrease in demand for beans comes, the system does have a low debt level and it can therefore protect itself by issuing debt and returning the price of a bean to a peg. So when it comes to long-term sustainability, it's not just the price, it's also the debt level that matters. But when it comes to incentivizing additional behavior that is secondary at best to the price and the debt level, uh, we're generally more inclined to have uh, have people act in their own interest and once we can figure out how to how to fairly you know just accurately account for the stock and seeds that you would be adding to the liquidity pool uh 
that's probably going to be the extent, or at least as of now, that's our thoughts on what will be the extent of the direct incorporation of the stock and seeds pool into the bean stock incentives. Um, and then when we talk about timing uh, for when that's going to happen, uh, on the one hand, uh, it isn't that complex to do it and do it properly. Um, so it's not a labor issue. Um, but when it comes to strategy and what is the best time or the most effective time for the protocol to uh, start to have liquidity pools for stock and seeds, uh, there, there are a lot of benefits that will likely come when that happens. Um, the primary benefits being that it should increase and further increase the stability of the assets that are deposited in the silo. Because if you want, you're in the silo, and you want liquidity, um, you can either immediately sell your stock and seeds at the market value, or you can withdraw your assets, wait 24 hours, and by withdrawing your assets, you have to burn your stock and seeds, which have a market value. So that actually introduces a real cost, not just an opportunity cost to, you know, in addition to the opportunity cost, we should say, uh, to withdrawing from the silo. And so the benefits that that presents are significant and uh, very attractive to the long-term stability of beans. Um, but frankly, this is also something that can be a major catalyst for the growth of bean stock. And at the current moment, uh, as bean stock is going through its first death cycle, and in the next couple of weeks and you know, the next couple of months, once Beanstalk is able to establish that the underlying mechanism works, then like rolling out the stock NCs as the RC20s, rolling out the liquidity pools and creating this sort of additional dampening effect on top of the original mechanism should be a really meaningful uh, catalyst for, for future growth. Uh, but in the short term, our, our mindset, and you know, we're happy to discuss this with the community and hear what everybody else thinks. Our mindset is that the best way to to roll out the stock and seeds is as a as a real bump as things are doing well and the system is in a healthy state, um, you know, and not necessarily during the first death cycle where things are already functioning as intended. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make sense to to use this card while things are going well. Okay, awesome. Um, so there's been, this isn't a specific question from, from someone, but there's been uh, across Telegram and Discord just, you know, a few, you know, discussions about the length of the pod line. So I think this is something that should be, um, should be covered. So the question would be, so the pod line is currently uh, around 16 million. Um how do you see that as, um, you know, some people might see that as quite, you know, quite a substantial, like, line um, before beans, if they're sowing now. Um, how do you see that? Could you maybe map out a little bit about how you see that pod line clearing in practice? Maybe, um, you know, how... I suppose you don't want to probably speculate on price movements per se, but how do, could you talk a little bit about how you see that pod line 
clearing and what that process would look like from from your point of view certainly so uh one of the questions we've been asked uh in direct messages that is related is does 18 million uh you know excuse me since there's 16 million pods uh you double that to to say that all the pods will get paid off does 32 million us dollars need to enter the system in order for all of the pods to get paid off and the answer is no so uh with regards to your specific question dunks on uh how quickly we expect the pod line to get paid off we're going to refrain from speculating on that front you know it's it's a little too close to uh investment advice or predictions uh on that front which we're going to refrain from but what we can do is talk a little bit about how we expect the pod line to clear and what that process actually looks like and how Beanstalk should handle going from a, a high pod line and a high debt level that is significantly above the optimal debt level and how Beanstalk is designed to lower the debt level over time, which in practice means paying off pods. So currently, uh, in addition to the pods that are outstanding, there are also still 5 million soil, which is reflective of the fact that the price uh, has been on average below one for an extended period of time. And what the outstanding soil means is that Beanstalk is still willing to remove 5 million beans from the supply. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks, as the price does return to the peg, and as the price oscillates closer to the peg, meaning that we don't have uh, multiple recurring uh, longer drops below the peg like what we're seeing uh, right now, so more of a, a stable, uh, stable segment of time, the expectation is that you know, what that looks like in practice is some seasons the TWAP is greater than one, and some seasons the TWAP is less than one. And as, as we have more seasons, and it doesn't have to be every season, it should be every other season in theory, uh, as we have more seasons that are uh, greater than one, the pod line will start to get paid off. And as people see that the pod line is being churned through and the front of the pod line is getting paid off and people start to have a sense of what the rate of pain looks like, uh, that in and of itself should start, because the system is still willing to issue more pods and people can burn more beans, they can sell more beans, uh, that you should have a natural positive feedback loop within the system where some of the pot, keep in mind, if the TWAP was uh, the time-weighted average shortage of beans in the pool was 100,000 beans over the past hour, 50,000 beans are going to the silo. So there's no liquidity there for at least 24 seasons. So the other 50,000 beans are going to go to pod harvest, and those can be sold immediately. But let's assume that 100% of those pods are sold immediately uh, if there are no other sales and there are no other buys. So the only thing that happens to the price is that all of the pods that got harvested are all sold. The next season, there should be another 50,000 uh, being shortage in the pool. And then the following season, 25,000. So taking away uh, the natural price movements from just natural supply and demand 
uh, and changes in buyers and sellers, uh, the way that the ponds actually become harvested uh, is meant to have a positive feedback loop there as well. So once we get into the phase of the dead cycle where the pod line is, is starting to get paid off, we expect that that will in and of itself create additional demand for sowing beans. Um, and given that, you know, this is now if we digress and take a small step back uh, and you think about how the people that are sowing after on a calculus that is based on not just the weather, but also the price. Because if you buy below a dollar, uh, when you when you sow, you have an expectation that your pods will get harvested above a dollar. So the expected return for a sow doesn't just take into account the weather, it also takes into account the price. And therefore, uh, that as much as the weather has continued to rise linearly, the actual return for sowing pods has actually been much more volatile when you factor in the price. And so what we expect to happen is as the weather continues to rise such that the weather is sufficiently high that there is still demand for soil when the price is at one, right? If we look at the, the run-up that happened over the past week where there was a slow buildup from the low of 0.24, very slow and steady growth up until the, the price went from like 0.7 all the way to a dollar very quickly, that jump from 0.7 to a dollar is almost a 50% bump on the weather. So if you consider that the weather was uh, very high already, and then you put on top of it a 50% bump, then in practice, what what is what what we can view the current you know second dip below a dollar as is the weather is continuing to rise such that the weather and price when you factor in you know the weather and price to the total return that that is getting to an appropriate rate um so the expectation is that the weather is going to continue to rise and over time uh the price will start to stable out uh and then it every time the sun the t-wap is still below a dollar the weather will rise again so the system when there is a high debt level plays itself incredibly aggressively and structures itself such that priority number one is getting the price back to a dollar. But as soon as the price is back to a dollar, the system is designed such that it will start to pay off pods at a sustainable uh, rate, but not just sustainable in a way such that there is a built-in positive feedback loop to pod harvest as well. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, I've got a question here from uh, Hot Pocket Mark. Um, in the white paper, a pause is mentioned when, in case of a particularly dangerous vulnerability to beanstalk, the silo can pause or unpause beanstalk by a two-thirds supermajority vote at any time or as part of a normal BIP. Can you explain further? And maybe... If you want to elaborate just a bit more on the BIPs, as mentioned in the roadmap, about how those BIPs can work more generally in the in the beanstalk protocol as well. So, can you just clarify what is the question about pauses? So, the question he just said, "Can you explain further?" So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
So the, the short answer is that the seasons are one of the main mechanisms by which the entire system functions. So at the start of every season, you know, and the start of a season is triggered by a sunrise function call to the Beanstalk contract, the system takes the time-weighted average price over the previous season, the system mints beans, the system pays the weather, uh, any withdrawn beans move forward one additional season uh, until they can be claimed. So it's sort of a full step forward in the system in many ways. And the pause, what it effectively does is prevents the, the sunrise function from being called. So it wouldn't prevent uh, beans from being bought or sold on Uniswap per se, but it would effectively stop uh, any vulnerability that was being uh, carried out directly through the Beanstalk contract that was, or, or if it wasn't directly through the contract, was dependent on the sunrise function. And so, for example, if there was an incorrect amount of beans that were being minted, or uh, there, there was something in the code that was a vulnerability that was dependent on the season function, or excuse me, the sunrise function being called, uh, the, the ability to pause the system would basically allow for us to stop that from happening and then give us the opportunity as a community to fix whatever the vulnerability is without having Beanstalk march forward to, uh, you know, do a plank walk, if you will. So it's the opportunity to just pause the system and fix whatever is going on uh, instead of, um, you know, the problem in real time, which may not be available, this is sort of um, like a middle path forward such that the whole system doesn't shut down. People can still withdraw, people can still trade their beans, but nothing is nothing is happening. Okay, awesome. Did you want to just talk a little bit more about the bean improvement uh, protocol? I uh, more generally, and how that, um, how the maybe how, how the proposal. Obviously, the, the the first question is in the time of a vulnerability, right? So, like, um, this is this is something that needs to happen fast. Like, so did you cover that? Like, how would that happen? And and how like would in the case of a vulnerability, um. Does there need to be a BIP proposal, and what and and would there need to be votes happening on that? And what's the time frame? Like for example, compound, um, like there's a compound vulnerability right now which can't be can't be fixed for up to seven days. In the case of being yeah, stored, so, so uh, we can expand on the way that the BIPs work in general and. Just to say, you know, historically, we originally intended for the pause uh, to be created uh, and mainly used at the beginning if there were major problems uh, around deployment that, that needed to be fixed quickly. Um, it obviously is still usable and built into the protocol and available into the future. Um, but going forward, uh, the expectation that we're going to have to use a pause uh, is much less likely you know, than it would have been in the first two months of the system, let's say. 
So in terms of how the actual improvement proposals, so BIPs, uh, BIPs, oh, excuse me, I just dropped a pencil, uh, are Beanstalk improvement proposals, and it's the decentralized uh, way that anyone in the community can propose uh, code improvements to the Beanstalk protocol itself. So one of them, if we restate uh, the goal of Beans and the goal of Beanstalk is to create a decentralized stable coin that can serve as money and specifically US dollars on the blockchain. And part of uh, fulfilling that goal is to be able to uh, upgrade the Beanstalk contract. And upgrades can be to fix problems, uh, you know, which we just talked a little bit about in the cases of a pause, um, but they're also to just upgrade the protocol. So uh, earlier we were talking about making stock and seeds ERC-20 tokens and incorporating that directly into the protocol. Uh, that would that would also happen through a BIP. And so uh, when it comes to robust governance, there is a couple of different uh, things that, that the system must have to balance. On the one hand, uh, it's really important to be able to respond quickly to problems. So Dunks, you just highlighted the, the compound vulnerability, that, which is taking uh, at least seven days to fix, which is obviously a problem. And on the other hand, the goal to be decentralized and to have decentralization in its in its in its entirety, and that includes in the ability in the ability to operate. So when someone proposes a BIP, uh, it's not fair that uh, the system would immediately uh, incorporate it, and there does need to be some time uh, for the community to to have discourse. So in practice how Beanstalk goes about uh, kind of uh, juggling those two very different priorities is it has the ability for uh, supermajority votes uh, that, that can per, uh, pass a bit as soon as 24 seasons after it is proposed. And then the normal, which is just a 50% majority, uh, a, a normal majority can pass a bit uh, any time uh, up to a week after the BIP is proposed. So the way the system works is uh, if nothing can be passed within 24 uh, seasons, uh, in general, uh, that is, you know, it's not perfect um, in the sense that you'd like to be able to upgrade Beanstalk immediately in the case of very serious vulnerabilities, but that's why we introduced the pause mechanism such that, uh, you know, in a worst case scenario, mm. uh, you can at least prevent the system from advancing forward during during the time period that the system is 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 considering a dip. And uh, it's important to note that when the system is paused, uh, the governance process can continue because uh, the governance process doesn't use uh, the seasons. The governance process uses block timestamps on Ethereum. So. Uh, in general, uh, there hasn't been uh, any problems on this front um, at the moment, and the governance mechanism continues to work as intended. And we're very excited uh, over the next week or two, uh, we intend to propose our first, you know, bit since the system has really 
blown up in a good way and attracted a much larger community where we're hoping to fund um, a couple of different uh, budgets, uh, which we talk about in the roadmap a little bit, uh, which maybe we'll expand on here uh, in response to a different question. Don't want to go on endlessly here, um, but we're, we're excited to test out how the community uh, interacts with with BIPs uh, and votes for or against them. Well, you can't vote against them, but you can vote for or abstain in the system. And so uh, that's that's kind of a high-level overview on the BIP process. Awesome. I think we definitely nailed the pause question. That makes a lot more sense to me now. So that, yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so the next question we've got is... Um, so after seeing the first hit cycle play out, there are there any changes you'd want to make to the economic model? Um, in the and that that's the whole question. But I'll just maybe and maybe just cover a little bit if there's anything like like you didn't like. Obviously, those changes would go through a bit, I assume. So then. There hasn't been, you're not talking of proposing any BIPs in that in, in the next, uh, like in the short term, but maybe just talk a little bit um, on that uh, and like potentially like anything that you've got your eye on for maybe a little bit further out, like. Yeah. So uh, there's two different ways we want to answer this. One is, uh, BIPs going forward, and then perhaps a different way to think about this is what we would have perhaps included in the original code. Could we go back and do it again? Gotcha. So going and, and those are those are sort of two different things, mainly because the right inputs for the system uh, are are largely dependent on the size of the system. So uh, maybe to answer the second question first, going back. What would we have potentially done differently? The only uh, change to the model we would we would have potentially made, knowing what happened and specifically what happened being in a short, very short period of time, less than a day, the system went from a two and a half million dollar market cap to a forty million dollar market cap. Uh, the only thing that, in hindsight, could have been done better would have been to have the, the timer for seasons of plenty be eight seasons instead of 24, eight or 12 seasons would have been better. And the main reason for that is the price was so high uh, for a short period of time. And, and this is where it gets to the only reason we would have done it before, and it doesn't actually make sense to still make this change going forward. And the liquidity was such a high percentage of the total protocol uh there came a time during that run up um to four dollars where the expected inflation between now even if you bought above a dollar and deposited it in the silo and when the season of plenty was expected to happen so this was really like between 17 and 10 uh seasons until the season of plenty there was a price point and beans were above that price point uh, where uh, there was an expected positive return just before 
like just from the bean supply increasing before the season of plenty would return the price to a dollar. So that certainly, to some extent, contributed to the uh, the scale of the price run up to four dollars. Um, and having a lower season of plenty timer perhaps could have prevented that or at least minimized it to some extent. Um, but going forward, uh, that doesn't necessarily make sense to incorporate into the protocol because the liquidity is now a much smaller percentage than the of the market cap than it was at the time. And so this, like the math on whether that would still happen becomes much, much less likely uh, to be true. Um, so that would have been the only thing that if we look back and say, well, what would we or could we have done differently, uh, we might have done. And, you know, the benefit might have been that there was slightly less supply increased, uh, which would have potentially decreased the extent of the this first debt cycle. Uh, but the glass half full in us says that nonetheless, you know, putting the system through uh, the ringer, as they say, and through such a significant uh, first major debt cycle, uh, we believe will ultimately put the system in a much better position to succeed in the long run. So we're not you know, necessarily disappointed that this is how it's played out. So when it comes to uh, major changes uh, or even somewhat substantive changes to the economic model uh, in the future, uh, thus far, and we've actually considered and deeply considered uh, and worked through what they would look like and played with them in our minds a little bit, a wide variety of different bits, having now seen what the what the first debt cycle actually looked like in practice. And just to give you a sense of a couple different ones, uh, we were thinking about uh, changing the way that the weather adjusted, uh, where instead of moving linearly, uh, anytime the weather was already greater than 100, it would potentially move uh, instead of plus or minus 1 or 3 percent, um, but times like 101 percent, times 103 percent, times 99 percent, or times 97 percent, uh, which would potentially make uh, the weather change much faster. Um, and the reason we ultimately didn't decide to uh, the reason we ultimately didn't decide to go with that new scheme for weather adjustments is that in practice, a large part of the state of the system as it currently stands is inefficient. But the inefficiency just comes from uh, the fact that the community playing uh, with Beanstalk and interacting with the system is still small are still learning the rules of the road and are not um, not necessarily like behemoth financial institutions that understand uh, what what is like the most efficient way to play every micro uh, segment of the system. And ultimately, the way Beanstalk is designed is to be reactive, uh, not proactive. So at a high level, what the system does is when the sunrise function is called, it takes a snapshot of where the system is and says, okay, well, based on where we are, uh, how can we how can we move the system closer to where we want to be? Beanstalk is not proactive and doesn't make any predictions uh, as to where things are going. You could make the argument that it does read 
uh, the change in demand for soil, which is some sort of uh, not a snapshot. It does actually take into account uh, time uh, and changes over time. Um, but in general, the, the way Beanstalk responds to things is slowly uh, and methodically. And so we don't necessarily feel like had we had um, the weather run in an exponential, uh, you know, way, or, or at least the ability to grow much, much faster than, than it currently does, which is linearly, the expectation would be that that wouldn't necessarily help the system return the price to its peg. Instead, it might just cause the system to overpay uh, for pods um, and for people to lend money to Beanstalk. So uh, we, you know, that's just one example of something we considered. Uh, you know, for for to give you another one, um, we thought about decoupling the rain from the season of plenty timer. So just to refresh everyone's uh, recollection, the currently if it rains for twenty four uh, seasons, uh, then there is a season of plenty. Um, but we were thinking about, um, especially given that it seems like the rain has really had, uh, when it comes to a behavioral uh, perspective, a real effect on people's behavior. Uh, we considered changing it so that any time it was raining, it didn't just affect the season of plenty. It also affected the normal bean mints from being in the silo. Um, and we were thinking that this would potentially decrease um, excess demand when the price is above a dollar and prevent people from buying uh, with the price too high. But in practice, if you take a step back, uh, the rain takes into account the debt level in addition to the price. And that is really important here from this perspective in the sense that uh, when the, the debt level is particularly high, uh, like it is right now, uh, and we were just talking about the importance of the system uh, starting to pay off pods. It doesn't make sense for the system to discourage buying above one to the maximum extent that it can. And instead, we only want Beanstalk to start to, you know, really, really disincentivize buying above one heavily in the cases where the, the debt level is low. And when the debt level is high, like it is now, we don't necessarily want to be so so strict with our uh, with the rules that, that would discourage buying above one. So um, that's just another example of like a change that would have been potentially substantive um, or really substantive in, in the case of the second example, uh, and change the way that people potentially interacted with the protocol. Um, but when we take a step back and think about the way that the system is functioning and the way that the peg, uh, you know, the system has been responding during periods where it's below the peg and above the peg over the past couple of days, for example, uh, it's evident to us that we don't want it at this stage of the game further disincentivizing buying above a dollar. So uh, those are two slightly different examples, um, but give you a sense of, you know, that we really are seriously considering making significant alterations to the model. Um, but when we evaluate the options and we consider the way that the system seems to be functioning incredibly well, 
you know, and we were trying not to oversell how happy we are with the function of the model. Um, but we're, we're very, very pleased. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us at this point in time to uh, propose any significant changes. Okay, so our next question is actually specifically about the weather, and you have pretty extensively um, sort of talked about that, but maybe if we just bring our focus just to the weather and changes. So the question is, what could be done differently in the calculation of weather? Is it concerning that weather can only move by plus or minus 3%, which may grossly undercompensate for moves in the market during a given season. Um, sure. So we, we, we did talk a little bit about this, but just to answer uh, directly why we're comfortable with the system responding slowly, it's, there's two different ways to think about this. One is what does the system actually look like at par, at equilibrium, at scale? Um, how does it function there? And then secondly, it's how does it look in the short term? And while while currently Beanstalk is very small uh, and there's much more volatility than we expect in the future, uh, at this point in time, uh, the reason we don't want the weather to increase 3% uh, every season during major debt cycles is that the, the main problem that Beanstalk is solving during this first major debt cycle is attracting more farmers and attracting more sowers and bringing more eyes to the protocol. And so the idea that the the problem is that the weather isn't responding fast enough right now uh, is true in the sense that, um, you know, if, if we put on our, our, our marginal economics hat, you know, the hope would be uh, that the weather can change fast enough such that the marginal demand for beans is changing and specifically growing faster than the marginal supply of beans is growing, uh, and by by changing the demand faster than the supply is changing, the weather can quickly return beans to a dollar, and that is what the system should do at scale. When you think about three percent, twenty four seasons in a day, you know the system can move seventy two percent in a day uh, at scale, and when you consider you know, 72% uh, as a movement in just a 24-hour time period, that's incredibly quick. Uh, and the expectation is that the system will, at scale, be able to do that, which is to increase marginal demand faster and marginal supply is decreasing because the price is at the peg. Excuse me, marginal supply is increasing because the price is below its peg. So at scale, uh, 3% an hour is significant. And in its current state, um, while 3% an hour or a season is probably not significant enough at the marginal level, um, the system is playing a slightly different game at this stage of at this stage of the game, and therefore isn't necessarily 
interested in being as aggressive as possible with the weather and is instead comfortable being reactive um, and potentially reactive on the slightly slower end uh, because because of the what it actually will will look like to get beans back to the peg at this stage of the game is primarily attracting more sowers uh, and that is something that that is going to be more likely influenced by a wide variety of factors in addition to just changing the weather three percent or uh, some some marginal percent. Got it. Got it. Um, so and our next question is uh, well, firstly, if, if anyone wants to ask a supplementary question about any of these, just please do raise your hand. Um, if there's so, if there's yeah, if there's any, in fact, if there's if there was anything else that you wanted to ask about any of the previous questions, um, just raise your hand and I'll keep an eye on the on the audience. Um, our next. Our next question was, uh, in order for there to be rain, can you confirm the debt level needs to be below 15%? And in order for there to be a season of plenty debt level, in order for there to be a season of plenty, debt level needs to be below 5% and 24 consecutive seasons of rain. So, uh... The short answer is that's not exactly correct. Uh, it only is raining when the debt is less than 5%. Um, and then to answer the second question, uh, if it's raining for 24 consecutive seasons, meaning that debt is less than 5% and the price is greater, time-weighted average price is greater than a dollar, uh, then there is a season of plenty. So rain and the season of plenty are only triggered when the debt level is below 5%, not 15%. Okay. Okay. Now, um, just looping back, looping back into this whole idea of there being other, in question six, there's other factors that um, would help to move the price back to peg from, uh, or to encourage sowers other than just, uh, just the weather percentage in a given season. Um, so you've talked a little bit about in the um, in the roadmap um, about marketing, and there has been some marketing related questions. So, um, and so I'm assuming that one of the one of the one of the attracting new sowers. Um, should be related to um, bring, bringing in new people, which is probably generally associated with um, people sharing the protocol with friends and um, and sharing it um, publicly and also with just general marketing um, efforts. So did you want to talk a little bit about what's in the roadmap in terms of, um, of marketing um, related and community related um, stuff specifically sort of like in relation to bringing it, bringing in new people um, into the protocol? Certainly. So to answer the first part of your question on how do the incentives work to encourage people to sell, 
Um, so economically, just to start, and then we'll address your marketing uh, questions specifically, the first in, first out payment mechanism or model uh, or pods uh, basically presents to any prospective sower or any prospective farmer uh, the question if the price, the total return based on the price and the weather is sufficiently high for you right now, uh, then you're encouraged to sow as soon as possible. Because the longer you wait, uh, someone else may sow before you, uh, and then your expected return or your expected time to get paid or both um, go down. So economically, uh, the incentive is there uh, such that we can have efficient price discovery. Uh, and if the price is still too low, uh, assuming that we have efficient price discovery, then the weather can respond appropriately. Uh, so that's just to answer your, your first question. Now, on the marketing front, um, this is something that we've been asked about a fair amount. And we must say it's also uh, an area we would really appreciate uh, lots of additional input and assistance from our community. Um, you know, we say this as a disclaimer, we are not marketing people uh, and don't have any natural background in marketing. And furthermore, due to the fact that we are anonymous uh, and trying to do everything uh, the right way and not shill this thing in any capacity and not um, attract shillers, uh, which seem to be you know, one of the problems that happened during the first major pump was that a large portion of the people that were pumping were really pump and dumpers. So on the marketing side, we tend to think about things uh, really broken down in terms of like content uh, and what types of content we want to create. Um, and then on, separately, how we can create community engagement. So the BNFTs uh, was a really uh, unique, in our opinion, a way to create some community engagement and seeing all of the BNFT uh, profile picks uh, in this AMA chat has, is an indication to us that that was a success at fostering community. Um, but to talk about a little bit what the roadmap looks like going forward, and you know, we say this that this is really subject to change uh, when we get feedback from our community. We'd love to have more of a discussion on how best to, to bring more eyes uh, and ears to, to Beanstalk. Um, we want to continue to put out high quality content uh, in a variety of different areas. So uh, one that we're intending to do shortly is we just got approved to post on Reddit. Uh, we included that in our roadmap. Um, but we, we've also been having some conversations with various uh, community members, uh, you know, and none of it seems to have uh, been done yet. So if anyone here wants to step up and, uh, you know, help out, we're trying to have um, short form, clear and concise videos uh, created that will explain the actual functioning of the system uh, and how things work. And then uh, we think that that's a real way to bring uh, simple explainers to a, a more diverse set of uh, people. 
um, we're interested in bringing Beanstalk uh, to Asia and sharing this with the, uh, the Asian crypto community in some capacity. Uh, currently, uh, we haven't created any uh, content that is in non-English languages, and all of the all of the content that has been created is 100% in English. So bringing the content um, to more eyes and ears uh, in part means expanding our, our reach on that front as well. Um, and in general, uh, we're really looking to get our community more actively involved in marketing Beanstalk. So uh, one of the things that will consist of is we intend to propose uh, similar to the dev pips that we, we talked a little bit about in the roadmap, um, we intend to propose uh, a marketing budget which will mint beans and then uh, hopefully pay uh, people who want to contribute to the marketing campaign in various capacities in beans. Um, and and uh, we're, we're really hoping to source a wide variety of different um, of different content from different people. Um, but it's important to note that uh, we're really hoping that a large portion of this is, if not directed uh, by the community at this stage of the game, we understand that uh, at this point in time, there does still need to be, you know, a lot of coordination on our part specifically. And so that's one of the reasons we're saying, you know, we're happy to, to figure this out. Uh, directly and we can talk to people about what this actually looks like and we want people to feel very included uh, in growing Beanstalk together. So um, all of this is to say there should be an open invitation for anyone that has ideas uh, or wants to actually help on the marketing side, um, you know, to come talk to us. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. Now, there's been a, there's a, a question about um, what is the team's perspective on MIM spells stablecoin, and how how can Bean get similar or better partnerships with projects like Yearn? So obviously, Spell is a coin that uh, MIM is a coin that has been pretty widely like. Uh, discussed lately and is got having a massive uh, growth. I think they're coming up close on flipping die. Um, so I guess the question is, um, yeah, what's the team's perspective on MIM, Spell Stablecoin, and how can Bain get similar or better partnerships? So I guess we've talked about marketing, So, but on the partnership side we haven't talked about. So... Yeah, uh, perspective on MIM, and um, and if you can hit on um, some stuff related to integrations and partnerships. Sure. So sorry, I forgot I was muted there for a second. So with regards to MIM, uh, we're not going to make any specific uh, critiques of their model. Uh, we did take a, a, a look at this a couple of weeks ago when this was first brought to our attention as something we should look at, or we were asked about how we compare. Um, and they're doing some very 
uh, unique uh, things. So we, we definitely don't want to poo-poo that. Um, but at the same time, uh, Beanstalk is fundamentally different uh, from any collateralized stablecoin. So MIM is collateralized. And uh, in practice, the big problem that Beanstalk is solving uh, is that currently there isn't enough supply of assets that people are willing to lock up to create stable assets in order to meet demand for stable assets. And that problem mainly can be seen in the very high borrowing rates on various stable coins. And anytime you have a collateralized model, uh, you're basically not trying to solve that problem. And in our mind, that is the problem to solve. And so that problem, and the reason it's such a meaningful problem to solve, and this is an example we've used in the past, which is Augur, which is really awesome technology. And the starting point of Augur is basically anyone can make in a decentralized fashion a betting market on almost any anything that they can imagine. And there are obviously some technical problems on the Oracle side to resolving the actual betting markets. But in general, the main reason why Augur, in our opinion, hasn't taken off is because anytime you need to denominate your bets in a coin that has an underlying opportunity cost just to use it of double digit percent, because you know, if you want to make your bet in, in USDC, uh, the only way that there's a positive expected value on your bet isn't just if it's 50% plus a little bit, it has to be 50% plus a little bit after you account for the opportunity costs you could have gotten for lending out your stable coin, which is often double digit percents. So that makes what is an, a cost-effective bet or a betting market to create on Augur um, really limits that. So anytime you have a stable coin that is trying to solve a you know, create a new stable coin, but in a collateralized fashion, in our mind, you're not really solving the main problem. So um, now this actually leads sort of naturally into how we expect uh, Beanstalk partnerships and integrations to work in the future. Um, because the main goal is, as we've said, to have Beans incorporated uh, across DeFi and to become ubiquitous uh, in every protocol as a U.S. dollar and as the decentralized U.S. dollar stable coin to use. Um, in general, we think that there's a real um, benefit just to the protocols themselves, uh, like Augur, for example, adding uh, beans to the protocol and incorporating the bean ERC-20 into Augur. Uh, that's the type of integration we'd love to see at some point in the future. Um, but when it comes to the short term and partnerships with Yearn uh, or you know, Curve uh, and, and similar uh, protocols that are primarily lending based, we have a slightly different philosophy, which is in the short term, 
our main focus and the focus of the Beanstalk community should primarily be on uh, encouraging demand for Beanstalk native uh, like debt and the silo. And the real short-term priority of uh, ourselves and our community should really be on cultivating a strong Beanstalk native community. And as great as it is to have integrations uh, with various other protocols, and to some extent that does create utility, uh, before beans are stable, uh, or at least a lot more stable than they are right now, um, any uh, incorporation with something like Yearn would basically create the effect of what we, what we would call easy come, easy go where you don't actually have any increase in demand for beans uh, or bean stock and it's dead. Uh, and instead you just have uh, like a raw short-term demand because the interest rate was sufficiently high um, or the, the price was sufficiently high that your payment from joining the silo uh, might go up. But that's not, that's not as meaningful to creating long-term stability uh, for bean stock and creating long-term stability is what will ultimately uh, create meaning uh, and utility in all of these partnerships. So while incorporating into something like Yearn is interesting and it's not something we would say no to, uh, it's also not something that we think is a good use of our time, energy, and resources, given that uh, the number one thing that Beanstalk has to do in the short term is established that it can reliably return the price of one bean to one dollar, which we think is going very well. Um, and we think Beanstalk is on the way to establishing that. And once that happens, it will provide a much more uh, meaningful opportunity for, for incorporations and, and partnerships of that sort. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so in a, in a future stablecoin phase, do you see the withdrawal period 24 seasons growing shorter? Yes, definitely. So um, in the short term, uh, as the system, you know, and we're not even talking about in the near term, this is something that can really be gradually lowered over time. Um, the current state of the system is still one of infancy. And when you're caring for an infant, they need a lot of neck support. You know, you can't let their head bob everywhere. So the 24 season lock on withdrawals uh, is really neck support for the system. And the, that can certainly be lowered. Um, it probably can't be lowered uh, to zero, um, but it can be lowered significantly. And what this would have to likely go in tandem with is also lowering the stop timer um, or the rain stop timer, whatever you want to call it, um, mainly because one of the main incentives or, or reasons why you wouldn't be able to pump and dump beans. And one of the comments, sorry, we don't remember who said it, so we can't shout them out, but in the Discord was all of the apes left 
as soon as they realized they couldn't exploit the protocol. Um, that made us feel pretty good, frankly. Um, the restriction for withdrawals coupled with the season of plenty timer is what creates that, uh, or what prevents the, the ability to take advantage of the system. So it could certainly be lowered uh, in the future. It might be able to go, um, you know, it's easy to see it going as low as eight seasons. Uh, lowering it beyond that is a little bit harder to envision exactly what that looks like, but lowering the stop timer and the withdrawal time to eight seasons, you know, not any time in the short term, but in the distant future is, is totally realistic. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, we just had a question come through uh, about, so we've talked a little bit about um, getting the community more involved in this, and in the roadmap in different capacities. Um, is there plans to um, create a Discord or create channels in the, within the Discord that are specifically sort of set up to for more of a work-related kind of um, process as opposed to just chilling and, um, and chatting? <coughs> The short answer is yes, um, and this is something you can expect to see uh, starting to happen in the next week or two. Um, this will go hand in hand with some of our first budget proposals in the form of bits. And you know, just to restate, anyone who's interested in working with us, um, you know, either as a member of the community or interested in working directly for the protocol uh, and being funded through bits. Uh, we encourage everyone to come out and talk to us, um, you know, and, and reach out through DM, and we can figure out how to work together. But there are certainly going to be uh, more channels being created for those specific, you know, closer to work-oriented things. Awesome. Um, just a reminder that you guys can raise your hands. I'm not sure. Just checking to see if any hands raised for uh, supplementary questions, and then. Um, yeah, but it, so in in the meantime, uh, this is one from me. Uh, so in terms of um, sort of market makers, um, liquidity providers, kind of, I suppose we could think of you know whales or funds. Um, in terms of attracting those kind of players. Um, is what are your just generally what what are your thoughts on that? Is there any um, talks going on like with you know how do you see market make like if someone wanted to come in and kind of I guess in the sense the protocol kind of is the market maker, but does this question make sense to you? And could could you kind of give an answer there? Like, sure, sure. So uh, the market making and you know, attracting larger, uh, what we would call high quality capital uh, is very important, but they're two separate things. So, uh, and they, they may be somewhat related. So let's start with the market making. So uh, in, in theory, at least, it hasn't happened in practice, uh, obviously, as we're still in the first major debt cycle. Uh, as Beanstalk really makes its case, that the, there is a reasonable expectation 
that the price of beans will return to one at some point in the future, uh, that creates uh, the starting point for a market-making opportunity or an arbitrage opportunity um, where uh, there can be a lot more volume handled at, at or around a dollar. And in practice, what that would look like is uh, having larger pools of capital that are interested in, uh, you know, either A, just profiting off the short-term arbitrage opportunity, or B, you know, and this is really what we're hoping for as we start to uh, attract this type of participant, are, you know, pools of capital that understand uh, what the opportunity here is, and uh, there's sort of a symbiotic nature uh, between them performing the arbitrage uh, and their benefit, you know, by profiting directly from the arbitrage and the benefits that come to keen stock. So, uh, in the short term, priority number one is returning the price to its egg, um, but but the expectation is that that really should uh, attract uh, the type of capital that will perform that arbitrage. Um, when it comes to larger, uh, high-quality capital, and what we mean by that is uh, funds, crypto funds, um, or, or similar venture-style pools of capital that uh, see stable coins and specifically a non-collateralized, decentralized stable coin uh, as one of the main uh, asymmetric Opportunity, return opportunities in in the world right now, um, and those types of uh, investors are not interested in putting in a million dollars uh, and then cashing out, you know, before the next debt cycle or triggering the next debt cycle, uh, which is fine. Uh, and you know, anyone who wants to lend to Beanstalk, by all means, the system is happy to lend to you if you have beans. Um, it's a free market, but when it comes to our own focus in attracting capital, the capital that we want to attract is capital that sees the bigger picture here and isn't going to put in 100% of their investment this debt cycle and isn't going to um, just put in capital. It's going to be really interested in uh, bringing more uh, eyes to this thing and more capital to this thing. Uh, and, you know, uh, all we can say is that we've been having uh, really high-quality conversations with uh, a wide variety of uh, funds and the like that would check a lot of those boxes, and uh, we're generally really thrilled with the response we've been getting from them, and uh, it remains to be seen uh, in what exact capacity many of these larger pools of capital will want to get uh, involved. Uh, some of them already have. Obviously, there was a lot of chatter in uh, one of the channels in Discord a few days ago uh, when it seemed like a very large wallet started to sow beans. Um, so the expectation is that, uh, you know, the expectation the community should have with uh, of us is that we are we're working hard uh, to attract the right kind of capital um, to this thing, 
uh, and not the type of capital that is interested in a quick flip or a short-term uh, return opportunity. We are we're actively creating uh, you know a community of investors around this thing that are uh, really interested in seeing Beanstalk grow uh, in the long run. Just just a sort of supplementary question on that. Uh, so when you're talk when you're talking to these, um, you know, when you're talking with these various like funds or you know people that have that are interested in in the protocol, people who could, uh, you know, interested in you know actually, um, more of like a long term outlook. What is the value proposition from your perspective? Um, how would you see like say let's say that you were running a fund. Um, and you'd, you're looking at, you're looking at Beanstalk, uh, from the perspective of a fund manager, what is the value proposition, uh, from your perspective? So, uh, we're gonna, uh, tread lightly here as we're not, we don't want to pitch in the AMA necessarily. You know, and in general, we're not really trying to pitch anyone. We're more trying to uh, welcome uh, with open arms, uh, you know, investors into the community and walk them through a lot of the technical, uh, you know, structures that are in place here to create stability. Um, but, and, and this actually goes into, you know, we're mainly looking to attract capital that sees the opportunity here. Um, so if anything, you know, we're really not, um, we're really not selling any of them uh, on, on the opportunity here. Uh, we're really talking to people that see the opportunity and realize that stable coins uh, and specifically a decentralized, non-collateralized stable coin is a massive opportunity. And more of the conversations that we're having with them is why Beanstalk is going to work and explaining to them why Beanstalk isn't like ESD uh, and doesn't have the same shortcomings that similar attempts do and walking them through at the detailed level uh, why we have a reasonable expectation that Beanstalk is working very well, is in a very healthy state. And at this point in time, you know, the name of the game is basically surrounding Beanstalk with a high-quality community of farmers uh, and a high-quality community of investors. And um, the short answer is we're having, I mean, we haven't had a bad call yet. We've only had really, uh, really great phone calls, and we've been honestly amazed at the reception Beanstalk has had with high-quality capital. and that excites us for what is to come. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, now I'm at the end. There's a, there's a few, uh, there's a few, um, probably quick fire. Rapid fire there's a, there's a few probably rapid fire questions that we could just kind of go through maybe quickly. Um, let's do them. All right. Awesome. So, uh, about the NFT, so what is the plan after um, season after, after season eighteen hundred? 
was the original um was the original sort of end point yeah. but i think that um that's based on 10 nfts yeah so i'll let you to cover that yeah so uh the structure of the pnft uh launch and how you could earn one uh is such that if there are not 10 pnfts minted in a season uh, then the rest of those BNFTs that were not minted will never be minted. So when we think about rarity, um, the general philosophy here is not that we want to have all 6,000 minted, but instead the fact that uh, some of them may never be minted will ultimately create more rarity around the BNFTs. Um, so that is to say at the end of season 1800, there will be no more BNFTs uh, that you can mint. Um, now, uh, if you've earned a PNFT and haven't minted it, you will still be able to mint it after season 1800, uh, but there will be no opportunity to create new beans by sowing, PNFTs by sowing, um, after season 1800. Uh, and what, what will continue to happen with the PNFTs, uh, potentially future additions, um, what to do with the fees from the sales on OpenSea. All of those things are uh, available for discussion in the BNFT club room, which any holder of a BNFT can join and participate in the discussion there. Um, and, you know, we are interested in doing future collections of BNFTs, uh, but at the moment, uh, you know, there are no plans in place to do anything uh, additional with the BNFTs other than continuing to grow the BNFT community as it, you know, as it currently exists. But the goal isn't at this point in time to do more um, BNFTs. Got it. Got it. So in a similar sense that we're um, looking to attract uh, more contributors towards um, proposal like BIPs and more contributors towards a community, that same philosophy applies to the the BNFTs as well. There's a there's a chat group uh for bean NFT holders where they can make suggestions and um discuss like kind of the governance basically of the bean the bean NFTs. Right? Uh I, I don't really understand the question. I'm sorry. So, so, um, like the direct, like the, for example, you mentioned like fees. Um, so like the, uh, like it could be possible for like, there's fees that are generated from, from the, in the, in the open sea market. Um, and well, maybe we could actually just talk a little bit about fees, like generally, like, um, Trading well, we hasn't we haven't actually had trading fees on the bean NFTs up to this point. Um, everyone's holding, um, but potentially the bean NFTs holders, do you foresee that they they will be kind of governing that those those um, governing like things like for example the fees on um, on OpenSea or just the the general direction of you know, how the Bean NFT project will kind of um, develop? Yeah, so 
you know, in the spirit of keeping these questions shorter, uh, you know, we'd say anyone who wants to discuss distribution of fees, what they should be used for, uh, all of that is currently being discussed. Um, and the way to participate in that discussion is in the BNFT club room. Got it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, are you thinking of incentivizing community initiatives with Stork and not just Bains? Yes. So one of the things we would love is to have the people that are in line for the payments um, basically elect to deposit or sow their beans. Um, so the payment will come in the form of beans, but anyone who is interested in the long-term success of the protocol will obviously have the opportunity to do with their beans what they want and uh, use the protocol uh, as normal. Okay. Um, okay, I've, I'm just scrolling through to see if there's any little, uh, little quick fire questions that, that we can cover. Um, does adding LP to the silo increase bean price? Could we talk a little bit more about siloing and how siloing like as as the price crosses as the price crosses over a dollar and um and obviously the the pod line starts clearing and then how do you see siloing um playing into the playing into this play, playing into like the the what's going to play out over the next um week weeks and months like as we're clearing out this pod line um yeah, and also so, just specifically, could you just Go ahead. could you just kind of um, maybe just clarify a little bit on just how the system um, is designed? So how how the split goes between um, hotline clearing and um, siloing? So and also obviously with like you've got single siloing and LPing, could you just kind of talk a little bit more about? Yeah, as as things play out over the next weeks and months, um, how do you see? Yeah, just generally like talking about siloing sure. and how it works. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, and we also see uh, someone asked thoughts on extending the silo to like one to four years to incentivize higher quality capital. So this is all related to uh, dumpster question or the question you you re asked of. What is the the structure of the silo at a high level, and how do we expect it to work as the price returns to one? So, if we all take a step back and think about what what a stablecoin protocol should look like at scale, and by at scale we mean widely used, um, a real diverse set of users and use cases. Uh, one of the first, maybe the, the, the single foremost use case, is simply earning interest on your dollars. So, uh, you know, in a land before uh, the current monetary policy regime, uh, where we basically have no interest rates 
uh, on U.S. dollars in the real world, um, there used to be the opportunity to take your dollars, deposit them in a bank, uh, and earn passive interest on your on your dollars. And fundamentally, uh, Beanstalk offers that same thing, that same uh, risk return profile, effectively, as just a normal U.S. dollar deposit. So that is what it means to deposit one bean in the silo. You put it in, you earn passive interest in the form of more dollars, more beans, and at some point in the future, you can withdraw your assets from the bank, from the silo, uh, and use your beans for whatever you want. So when we think about what the what using beans actually looks like, one of the main use cases is just earning more beans by depositing them in the silo. And so the second asset that you can deposit in the silo is liquidity pool tokens. So in addition to um, offering passive return for just holding and depositing beans in the silo, uh, the system also wants to encourage high quality, meaning consistent uh, liquidity in the liquidity pool. And so by offering the opportunity to deposit not just beans, but um, LP tokens for the bean ETH liquidity pool in the silo, um, that encourages liquidity as well. And it's important to note uh, that if you deposited, you know, if you took one ETH and deposited it as beans in the silo, so you bought uh, beans and deposited those beans in the silo, uh, or you use that ETH to buy half beans, match those beans with the other half of the ETH, and then create an LP token, and then deposit the LP token in the silo, you get the same amount of stock. So it's equal in terms of your initial ownership of the system, but you do get twice as many seeds. And so over time, uh, the liquidity providers will earn more uh, stock over time, and the, the opportunity cost for withdrawing your liquidity from the silo goes up faster over time. So you have these two different uh, opportunities to participate in the silo and earn passive interest from Beanstalk. Um, and like they exist for two different reasons um, and they're incentivized in slightly different ways, um, but their structure is generally similar. Um, now, when it comes to how we expect uh, activity in the silo to look uh, over the next weeks and months, um, already it seems to us that the capital that was going to withdraw from the silo after that first major growth cycle has already left. So in general, and we've been following the withdrawal data pretty closely, and it seems in line with our expectations, uh, our expectations are that uh, the, the assets that are in the silo, or the vast majority of them, will remain in the silo uh, through the next growth cycle, or uh, at least through the end of this debt cycle, and may leave the silo during the growth cycle, but are here to stay for the time being. And so once the price goes above a dollar or returns to about a dollar, uh, your question about whether we expect there to be more demand for the silo or more demand for sowing beans in the field, it's very tough to say.
uh, because there will still be outstanding soil uh, and the pod line will start to get paid off, uh, you know, which with much more regularity, uh, our expectations that we'll, there will still be demand for sowing beans in the field. Uh, but frankly, that shouldn't affect, uh, even if they're directly related, that shouldn't uh, dissuade people from depositing in the silo. And in fact, the price being above one means that silo members are earning immediate interest every season. And so we expect that there will also be demand for adding assets to the silo. Uh, but at the same time, our expectation is that um, there will continue to also be demand for the field. So uh, part of what makes Beanstalk uh, able to have more efficient price discovery as, as compared to something like Basis, which Basis, just for reference, only wanted to allow people to issue, uh, you know, have the system issue debt when the price was below one. Um, Beanstalk is willing to issue debt every season. So the specific distribution of demand for stock uh, and seeds by depositing in the silo versus the demand for pods by sowing beans in the field, um, that is something that is always going to be interdependent and always changing in real time. But it's not something that we necessarily uh, have a predetermined expectation for the distribution of demand between the field and the silo. that makes that makes sense maybe the last thing we would add is that uh, for the foreseeable future um until the weather comes down significantly the return for sowing beans will continue to be higher than the return for depositing beans in the silo so uh the the raw expected return is going to be more in the field but the liquidity is obviously um only 24 hours of illiquidity in the silo, whereas um, illiquidity uh, for an undefined period of time in the field. And obviously, part of part of the um, part of what you've got on your roadmap for the next few weeks is to produce um, more detailed analysis and dashboards um, about. Uh, about how the protocol is performing and how that um, how that's all playing out, right? Did you want to talk a little bit more about about that data we're, and about those dashboards that you're working on? We're we're gonna um, publish in the next couple of days, the next week or so, um, a thorough uh, and a full analysis. Uh, mainly from an economics perspective, so an economic analysis of uh, the functioning of the system thus far, the functioning of the incentive structures uh, thus far, uh, both with price greater than one and less than one, uh, you know, and that will obviously be uh, published for everyone to read. Um, we'll refrain from expanding more on some of that as we've already covered large portion of our economic analysis throughout the AMA and don't want to uh, repeat ourselves here. Um, but with regards to the question about analytics uh, and adding more content to the website, um, 
one of the things that is on the roadmap for the short term uh, is that we're working to deploy uh, the first Beanstalk subgraph. Um, and this will effectively allow for the website. Uh, I mean, it will greatly improve the performance of the website itself, but it will also allow us to easy, easily start to add um, much more sophisticated uh, analytical tools um, to understanding what's going on uh, in the system. So if I believe we posted throughout this AMA, just two examples of graphs are much easier to create on top of the subgraph in the AMA questions um, channel. We can see that these are two different charts. They're not um, not the, the prettiest charts, um, but we're just putting them here for uh, for examples where basically you can see, uh, for example, the second chart that the amount of deposited LP significantly, significantly higher um, after the end of the first major pump cycle um, than it was at the beginning of the pump cycle. And data like that, um, the goal is to make that more available to everyone so that everyone can see the high quality um, functioning of the system. Makes sense. I've got a question that's just come in. Um, so you touched on decoupling RAIN from SOPs. Uh, given the current debt level being at um, around 80%, do you anticipate it ever dropping back below 5%? Yeah, so the short answer is absolutely. Um, it's almost hard to envision a scenario where uh, the debt level doesn't return to less than 5%. Um, the expectation is that the market cap for beans will be uh, significantly higher than it is right now um, because the only way that the debt level will get to that level is from significant growth in bean stock over time. Um, but the way that the mechanism is designed to function, uh, where the system will stop issuing new soil as the price is over one, uh, at some point when all of the existing soil has been used um, and all of the pods created from that soil have been paid off, uh, yes, absolutely, the expectation is that the debt level will return below 5%. Could you just, just for clarity here, so the current debt level at around 80%, could you just explain what that actually means or rephrase that? Sure. sure. So the, the debt level uh, is, is a ratio between the outstanding pods and the total supply of beans. So there's a little over 16 million pods and a little over 21 million uh, beans. So the 80% the comes from uh, 16 and change over 21. Got it. And when we're looking for that, are we looking in the pig maintenance section? Um, we, if we're looking at that, or is that, calcula is that calculation available on, in the interface currently, or...? Is it just a so if you wanted to do the calculation for yourself, uh, if you want to check out the length of the pod line that is listed in the field, 16.69 million, 
then the uh, total supply of beans is going to be in the analytics section. Um, and you can see that the total supply of beans actually just went below 21 million as we've been talking here. So people have been sowing soil as we've been talking here. So the debt level is the pod line, 16.69 million divided by uh, the total bean supply. That's the debt level is also available. The payment maintenance section labeled as the pod. Labeled as the pod rate. The pod rate. All right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. This is this is this is really cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, does anyone um, is is there if there's any if there is any questions on anything related to the um, to the interface to just the general functioning of uh, of this of the system how it does actually function anything like that um, just drop them in and we can do those rapid fire as well um, we've got a question thoughts on an extended lock silo one to four years okay so we've I, I think we've had that one extended lock silo one to four years for higher seed rewards to incentivize higher quality yeah. capital purpose. So, well, we cited it, but then didn't necessarily respond to it directly. Yeah. So the reason for that is uh, just to, to clarify, if you envision what, what we want beans to be used as in the future, um, making such a long uh, withdrawal time would really remove the use case of just a, deposit account that you can easily put money into and take money out of when you're not using your beans earn interest on so the hope is um by keeping this low we will be able to you know instead of one to four years using 24 seasons and hopefully less seasons over time the hope is that we will be able to uh create that use case to just use beanstalk and the silo as a, as a deposit account. Got it. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Makes sense. Um, okay, I'm just scanning scanning the, the, the various places where we could have more questions coming through. Um, sort of feels like we've been running here for a fair while. Is there any other things that you wanted to cover that um, you feel haven't been covered? Um, no, but we will use this opportunity to thank, thank everyone. Uh, I mean, speaking candidly, we've been uh, amazed uh, and really uh, thrilled at the response from the community um, and the amount of people that have taken real, genuine interest in the success of Beanstalk. And um, we think that uh, this tight, uh, tight knit community that is getting started here really bodes well for the future success of Beanstalk. So uh, we're really grateful to have everyone here. Uh, I mean, we've kept 20 to 30 people in this AMA for almost two hours. Um, and that, that makes us feel very good that there's a, an ever growing community of. Uh, interested bean farmers that want to see bean stocks succeed. So, um, thank you guys. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um, 
Well, that might be a that might be a good uh, a good place to um, to wrap it up then. Oh, thank you, Dunks, for uh, modding this this whole thing and and coordinating it. Uh, you know, it's community members like yourself that that are really going to bring King Stock uh, into the future. So, thank you as well. All right, mate. Also, maybe going forward, if people do have more questions that um, come up, feel free to ask them in the AMA questions channel. We'll keep that channel open for any you know new questions that we haven't answered yet. Please. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, people are typing in the in the AMA questions now. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess we'll get kind of soft, like soft wrap it up. And if the yeah, um, I guess I guess Publius is is going to be around a little bit uh, more. This is our first time using the AMA stage, so I'm not a hundred percent sure actually how we do wrap it up. Um, Yes, we can just people can um yeah can uh can exit or um yeah. so we'll monitor the channel for for more questions if you want them answered in written form you know, shoot them in the community questions channel and uh if not you know the next time we do an ama uh, we'll definitely circle back uh, you know, and try to answer everyone else uh, that has more questions. So uh, going forward and, and as we've been doing this, our goal has been to try to answer everyone's uh, questions as, uh, you know, honestly and fully uh, and relatively quickly as possible. And, you know, we'll continue to do that going forward. And just to note that this has been recorded and... I will um, I will process it and I will add the recording in um, in Discord. Um, yeah, or I'll send it through to Publius and they can add it in um, in in Discord. Awesome. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you everyone for coming and and uh, you know we look forward to to working together uh, in the future. Thank you everyone. Thank you.